I'd like to read uh, several verses of Scripture this morning, starting with the 34th chapter of the book of 2 Chronicles, verses 1 through 8. By the way, if you do not have an outline, please, please raise your hand. Brother Steve is back there, and he'll make sure you get one. So we want everyone to have an outline, if you will. Raise your hand, and he will make sure you get one. The title of the sermon is King Josiah. King Josiah. And began reading, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in the presence and uh, the incense altars which were above them. He cut down, and the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned bones of, of the priest on the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, all as far as Naphtali, and all around with axes. When he had broken down the altars and the wooden images, had beaten the carved images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he turned to Jerusalem, returned to Jerusalem. And then in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Saphan, the son of Azaliah, Masiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Now, I have been studying this sermon for several weeks, in fact, several months. And I had the message already prepared. In fact, I have the outline here, Josiah, a great example. I may preach that next Sunday. And I was thinking the conditions of revival because following what Josiah did, there was a great revival in the land of Judah. And he gives four, or the Bible here gives four examples of what you and I, what America, what our church, what we need to do in order for us to have revival. But I could not help of this young man, eight years old, when he began to reign, and very young as he sat on the throne of the nation of Judah. I could not help but think 
of before he became king of the great evil, the, the uh, kings before him, how evil they were, ungodly. I could not help but think of the culture that this young man was born into. You have his grandfather, Manasseh, which the Bible says was the most wicked of all the kings of Israel. Manasseh. Not only was he wicked, but his reign lasted 50 years. And then Ammon behind him. His son was Ammon, and once he was out of the picture, then comes his son, and he did what was evil, the Bible says, in the sight of the Lord. And then here comes Josiah. And you just heard his character. You just heard what he did for this nation. What happened? What influenced him? What turned him? Why did he? In spite of the environment that he lived, why didn't he bring such a revival to Judah? I, I thought about the culture of, of, of Judah and how that I, and then I began to look at the culture of America. And I began to see the parallel of the same, how ungodly this nation has become spiritually. You know, Manasseh, his grandfather, would sacrifice children in the fire. We're sacrificing children on the altar of abortion. I mean, all the things that Manasseh did is happening in America today. Sexual sins, homosexuality in the temple. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And these this grandfather and the father of this king, Josiah. And then I began to wonder what influenced him. What will happen here in America today? Can we have a revival? Say amen. amen. And I believe it's coming. But there must be some influence. And I believe this influence will come maybe even from a different way than you and I think it will come. As most of you know, we've been praying at, uh, on, Sunday, on Tuesday morning and uh, for the last 21 years, about 40 ministers gather every Tuesday at 9.30 and we pray. And we've been praying for revival. And a couple of three Sundays, uh, Tuesdays ago, one of them said, uh, there was a lady there, and she said, I don't even know if we'd recognize revival. If revival broke out, would we say, well, it should have been at our church? Or if we had an experience of a spiritual awakening, what would we say? Well, it's not what I thought it would be. I don't know. I don't know. But I know America, I know our churches, I know we as, as, uh, as people need a revival. And uh, I want to look this morning, if you will allow me, at 
what influence this eight-year-old boy that later in his teen years did these wonderful and marvelous things. And what happened? First of all, if you will notice, God can use, look at the introduction, un, uh, unlikely people to speak into our lives. I wouldn't be surprised if the revival that comes is it not from some unlikely person, unlikely church, unlikely community, not the way that we have it figured out. It is not our education, it is not our experience or title that qualifies us, you and I, or anyone for the service of the kingdom. It is our desire to, listen, it is our desire to serve and be obedient to him. Obedient to him. You know, it's amazing. One of the most amazing things that I found, Brother Dan, in this study was that Josiah was prophesied to serve as king of Judah 350 years before he ever came to the throne. It was a prophecy. Let me tell you the story about that. Most of us know that Paul, uh, Saul was the first king of Israel. At one time, a great king. Following him was King David, a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart. Following King David was his son, Solomon. Solomon. When Solomon died, Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the king of Israel. It was at that time one nation. The people came to Rehoboam and said, Listen, your father taxed us heavy. Other words, he put a lot on us in order to have, and if you read the kingdom when Solomon was king, the riches and all the things that went on, well, he overburdened or he overtaxed the people. And so they got together and came to Rehoboam and said, listen, we want to ask you, if you will, not to be so hard on us. It's hard to make a living. Inflation is out the roof. Could you help us? Rehoboam said, I'll give you an answer in a little while, a few weeks. So Rehoboam called all of his elders and leaders together, and he asked them. He told them, first of all, what the people had said, and then he asked them, what should we do? Do you think we should tax them more? Or do you think we should go lighter on the people and they can enjoy life more? And Well, the elders of the nation of Israel counseled Rehoboam, yes, let's not be like Solomon. Let's not be so hard on our people. And then Rehoboam did something he should not have done, I think. He sent them away, and he called the youth, the young men of his kingdom, men that he grew up with, young men that could come in and give him counsel. So he brings in the young men, and he says, I want to ask you something. Should we go lighter on the people? Should we 
should we tax them less? And the young men said to him, we should tax them more. No, we shouldn't go light on them. We should be more severe than your father Solomon was. So Rehoboam called the people in and he said, what we're going to do. Here, here was the description. He said, my little finger, his little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Other words, my father didn't tax you nothing to what I'm going to tax you. And the people rebelled. Well, there was a man by the name of Jeroboam. Jeroboam had tried to rival Solomon, and he escaped from Israel to the nation of Egypt, and he was there in Egypt. So when Solomon died, he came back and joined with the rebellion. Jeroboam and the people rebelled against Rehoboam and formed a separate nation. So you had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom consisted of, uh, of, of all the uh, tribes of Israel, but Judah and Benjamin. Judah and Benjamin were the southern uh, kingdom. And so you had Jeroboam and you had Rehoboam. You had Israel and you had Judah. And ever since then, there was a conflict. But Jeroboam got this idea, listen, if the people continue to go to Jerusalem to uh, worship, they're going to begin to lack Rehoboam more than me. They're going to rise up and rebel against me, so they're going to kill me. So what Jeroboam did, he goes down and makes Shechem, Shechem the capital of Israel. And Jeroboam sets up a, a, a worship temple in Shechem. And they'd be going and they would go in and sacrifice and do all the He would sacrifice on the altar himself. But, uh, and I think I left that scripture out, I, I, I'm not sure. But, as he sacrificed, the Bible says, follow me now, the Bible says that God sent a prophet, a prophet from Judah to Jeroboam. And he walks into the temple, listen to this, and Jeroboam was there. This prophet began to prophesy, and he says, you are going to be destroyed. I would have had the verses that I could read, read to you, but I, I left them out. Uh, it's okay. I, I don't want to lose the thought here. And he prophesied against Jeroboam. He prophesied against the altar. And he says, this altar shall be used to burn the priest. The very thing that happened with Josiah, it's going to be done. So this man of God, which is it's just wonderful. I just love this thought. This man of God, he, uh, in fact, if you will, I don't, I don't, Christian, you're doing a wonderful job. She's new at it. I don't know if you can bring up 1 Kings. I want to read it. 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. 
Uh, can somebody find that for me? First Kings chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And, uh, and he says, this altar is going to be destroyed. Well, Jeroboam became very angry, never called the prophet's name, never said who he was, but he prophesied against the altar that Jeroboam and those people were sacrificing wrongfully on this altar. Did anybody find that? Oh, it's up there. And behold, a man of, thank you, man of God went from Judea to Bethel. That's where he was at, Bethel, by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar. Listen, this man of God. You're talking about prophecy. Listen. Cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, Oh, altar, altar. He was so concerned about the ungodliness and about the evil that was happening, which was so wrong. Oh, altar, altar. Thus says the Lord, Behold a child, 350 years. Behold a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you he shall sacrifice priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's Bones shall be burned on you. Oh, altar, oh, altar. There's going to be a man that's going to come. His name is Josiah. And this same altar, he's going to burn the priest's bones. What a prophecy. Jeroboam was so angry, he reaches out to get a hold of the man of God and his arm, his hand became paralyzed and he couldn't touch him. And he said, would you pray for me? What would you have done? I ain't praying for you. you. The man of God prayed for him. And his hand was healed and stretched back out. Wow, what a story. How far. I thought of that. I thought, how far can people, can a nation fall from God? And the principles of his word. How far? So Josiah is doing all of this. He's got all of the. And you know God was going to bring this to pass. God's word is going to be fulfilled. Amen. And we find that Josiah did all of these. I want to go into that next Sunday, Lord willing. I don't know if I preach or not. But anyway, if I, when I preach again, I, if God will let me, I want to bring that out because we're going to be looking at the reign of Josiah, the reformations of the early years, the restoration of the temple. And I love this one, the rediscovery of the word of God. The rediscover of the word of God. So we find that Josiah was a changed man. He was not like uh, uh, his father or his grandfather. He didn't carry on the wickedness, but he turned to God. And uh, we find the people, notice your uh, outline. Notice the influence of Josiah. 
the influence. Someone's influencing you. Maybe it was when you were young. Maybe it had a positive effect or a negative effect. My wife and I are so different. She's a positive thinker, and I battle negative thinking. But the atmosphere that we were raised in, I'm not blaming that. I'm not using that as an excuse. We should not use the way we were raised as an excuse for the negativity in our lives. Amen? But people, the environment that you were raised in, and we find here, Josiah had some influences. First of all, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet was uh, alive at that time. And he influenced this young man. Hilkiah the high priest. Shaphan the scribe and his son, Ahikam. These people all influence Josiah. And then you have Shalom. Or Shalom, yes. Keeper of the royal wardrobe and his wife, Huldah. Now I want you to keep that, mind, that name in mind. Huldah, Huldah. You ever heard her preached on? You ever heard her mentioned? When you were reading the Bible, you remember that name? Huldah. Notice the impact that this influence had on Josiah. First of all, he was deeply convicted of sin and made confessions and repented. Uh, it, it just said that he just rent his clothes, which was an act of humility, which was an act then of repentance. And he was moved deeply and convicted of his sins. Not only was he convicted, he did something. He followed through on it. He confessed, repented of his sins. Second of all, Josiah brought restoration to the temple. He had people to go to the temple that was left in shambles, almost destroyed inside. But he had people to go back and rebuild it. Beautiful, beautiful temple. And while they were repairing it, the Torah, the word of God was discovered. You know why it was discovered? Because a priest, during the invasion of the enemy, they, he knew that, that they would take and destroy the Torah. How many of you know the devil, Satan, would like to destroy the word of God? Take it out of our schools, which he has. Take it out of our workplaces. Take it out of our own churches and our own lives. And so he took the Torah, God's, God's word. The first five books of the Old Testament. They did. And they went and hid it in a secret place. Nobody knew where it was. But once they started renovating the temple, they discovered the word of God. And then the nation, after all of this, experienced a revival. Notice, and this is some good reading, some hard words, but good reading. Notice chapter 34, verses 18 through 22. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, 
and Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire the Lord for me, for those who are... <clears throat> are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great, and this is true, is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So he said, listen to this. So what Josiah did, once the law, once the word of God was brought to him, he took it to heart. He began to tear his clothes. He repented. He humbled himself before God. Then he sent the spiritual leaders to inquire of the Lord. Who is he sending them to? Notice the reading, if you will. Verse 22. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to who? Huldah. A woman went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, quarter and they spake to her to that effect. She was a seamstress. She worked with clothing along with hers. You know, they provided the wardrobe, the beautiful robe, attire for the king. And yet, all five of these spiritual leaders pack up their gear and take off to see this prophetess. I'm telling you, I don't know. That's what influenced Josiah. It was not only these men, but he didn't say, or they didn't go to Jeremiah. They didn't go to other prophets that were alive during that time. They went to see this prophetess, and you ought to read, I don't have time to read it this morning, the great prophecy that she brought forth. And because of the repentance and because of the word of the Lord, and because of this woman and the prophesying that she gave forth, God sent revival. Hallelujah. That stirred me, folks. That moved me because I believe revival is coming to America. But it's going to be among the most unlikely people. Maybe the most unlikely way that God's going to do it. But I'm ready for it. <coughs> I'm ready for it. Notice, once the word was discovered, Josiah inquired of the Lord. The spiritual leaders of Judah needed spiritual guidance. The high priest, the father of the future governor, the son of a prophet, the secretary of state, and the king's officer. They consulted with the prophetess Huldah. Wow. 
She was important. She had made an impression upon them. She had influenced them. She was a woman. Notice what we say here. It gets better. They consulted with the prophet. God used a simple, otherwise unknown woman to reveal the heart and mind of God. She played a major role in the revival in Judah. Uh, she spoke, look at number six. She spoke with confidence because she knew, stay with me, follow me. She knew the word of God and she treasured what it said. Do you know the scripture? Do you read it? Do you study it? Is it in your heart? Do you meditate upon it? Because the word of God, and there are other things that Josiah did in order to have revival, but the main important thing is that the word of God spoken by an anointed prophetess brought forth revival to Judah. Somebody say hallelujah. Notice number four. Again, I quote, I say this, God can use unlikely people to speak into our lives. I've had that. Many of you probably have had that. Doesn't matter what environment you were raised in. Doesn't matter what happened to you or didn't happen to you. Doesn't matter the excuses. Let God use someone to speak into your life. It can be a friend. It can be a relative. It can be a coach. It can be a teacher. It can be a preacher. It can be a whoever that God chooses. Influence, what is it? It is the power <coughs> to affect others. And then number two, spiritual influence. And we need that. We need that. Spiritual influence requires competence. It requires ability. It requires character. It requires consideration. It requires wise communication. And it also requires courage. Bow your heads for just a moment with me, please, if you will. Brother Matt. Father, I believe that you spoke this message to our heart. Because we're living in a culture, we're living in a time when we need some spiritual, qualified, wholesome, holy influence. God, we don't need to let Hollywood influence us. We don't need to let just our political leaders influence us. God, we need someone and some directed by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, they need to influence us. God, speak to our hearts today. Well, there's so much, so much that we need to hear. God, there is so much that we need to know. That you might move us from where we are to where we ought to be. Speak to us, Lord. 
Help us to realize no matter the culture, no matter how influential sin is, no matter what our neighbors do, Hollywood does, Washington does, you have that man, that woman. You always have a remnant. You always have your chosen people. God, I pray that you would put them in the path of every person in this assembly. Speak to hearts. Speak to lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.